I have full permission to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and yours, to your home, your family. I don't know, we have a tradition at our house that after we clear off the Thanksgiving meal uh, and get, come out of our turkey coma, we put up with the trees and the lights and then the cats get in it, we have to repair it. But that's our home right now, so we're all settled in, we got our lights outside, got our tree up inside, warded off our cats, so we're excited. Merry Christmas to you. It's a great Christmas season at New Life Church. It's one of my favorite times of the year. We head toward three Christmas Eve services, two o'clock, four o'clock, and six o'clock. So as many of you that can come to the six o'clock, I know that kind of gets into your family time, but two and four will be super jam-packed. And then six o'clock is normally a little bit lighter. So, but be thinking and praying right now about who you can invite. It is the easiest invitation in the whole world. And it happens on a Saturday this year. So a lot of people will be off from work anyway. So invite people to come and be a part of those Christmas Eve services. And because we're having three robust Christmas Eve services on Saturday the 24th, we'll have online services only the next day. So come to church on Saturday because Sunday I'm gonna be in a coma. I'm just gonna be so tired. And you don't want me to preach to you on Sunday morning, all right? It'll just be bad, I'll be angry and upset. And so Christmas Eve, I'll be happy and joyful. So be here for that, all right? All right, also this week is one of our favorite, it's my favorite Wednesday night of the month. It's first Wednesday, is this Wednesday night. And I, it, it will be the first Wednesday night service since violence has erupted in our city. And I, I, we're gonna have some time where we're gonna pray over the peace of our city this Wednesday night. And on Wednesday night, I will announce to you what the offering was. So that's extra incentive to be a part of First Wednesday. We'll, we'll have an idea of what the Lord has done among us, and I'll give you a report about the offering this coming Wednesday night at the First Wednesday service that starts at 6.30. All right, turn in your Bible. Eventually, I'm gonna be in Luke chapter two. And I wanna talk to you today about Christmas, the peace of Christmas. I wanna talk to you about the idea that we're celebrating in these next several weeks. The world where Jesus was born was a dark and violent place. And I think sometimes we have romanticized, we have, we have made Christmas much different than what it actually was. Christmas came when the world was darker than we've ever seen. The Romans were in full control of Israel. Their violent domination of the world was at full strength. Everywhere you looked, there was death and violence and darkness and disease. That's the world where Jesus came into. In fact, at the time that Jesus was born, Galilee, the region that Jesus was born in was under the control of the brutal, very brutal Roman Empire. And when the Romans captured a city, some of you know this, I'm a history buff, I've studied Roman history, but the Romans had one method of controlling an area and they did it by fear and intimidation, by crucifixion and violence. When you were dominated by the Roman Empire, there was no hope. They sapped and sucked the last ounce of hope out of every human heart. And they kept your, their thumb on you. I don't know if you've ever lived in a place or visited a country that was under an oppressive government rule. I have been in Ukraine. I have been across Eastern Europe. I've been in Central and South America. I've been in Asia in places where I felt the oppression of government, the oppression of an evil system that was holding people down. 
That's the world that Jesus came into. And let me give you an idea of the finances. I, I, what I was loved a minute ago, I just loved the response. My pastor's heart is full, watching people respond in faith this morning. But the Roman Empire, the place where Jesus was born, the economic conditions were brutal. In fact, the tax, the tax collectors knew that they had like a, a fixed sum that Rome needed. Rome usually asked for about 50% of the GDP. So they asked for about 50% of the money that was coming into a country. So the tax collectors collected 50% for Rome and then kept as much more as they could for themselves. So in the Bible, when Matthew, the tax collector, becomes one of the disciples, that's one of the great miracles of the New Testament, by the way, because they were so despised. You can imagine holding the strength and the brutality of the Roman Empire as a threat over your home, demanding that you pay 50% to Rome and probably another 20 to 30% to the tax collector or something really bad could happen to your family. So extortion was a big part of the tax collection system. So this was the world that Jesus was born in. That left people normally in the, in the Roman world, that left them with about 10 to 20% of their income for food. The reality was, if you had a family of you and your wife, let's say, and three children, by the time those children were five or six years old, they had an assignment, they were working. Because if everyone in the family did not work, nobody in the family ate that day. So I, I'm, I'm trying to paint you a picture this morning of what Jesus came into. You may think today that your world is dark, and it may be, but Jesus is not afraid of dark places. Jesus is not afraid to come into messy homes. He stands at the door of every human heart and he knocks and he asks to come in. And he's not asking you to get it all together before he walks in. And Christmas is proof positive. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why Joseph was living in Nazareth when Bethlehem was his ancestral home? He was living in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. Now I was just in Bethlehem back in June. And it's a beautiful rolling hills, a lot, of, a lot of sheep and cattle. It's really actually one of the prettier places. A lot of lush vegetation, it's not desert. A lot of grass and green. It's where you would take your cattle and your sheep. Many historians argue that Joseph was in Nazareth because his family had lost their land and jobs in Bethlehem and the only work they could find was in Nazareth. So when Joseph and Mary were in the manger, they were both in awe they were wondering where the next meal would come from. You can imagine a scared teenage girl, Mary, giving birth, and the only person there to help was a knuckle-headed young husband who did not know how to give birth. You can imagine how terrified she was. There was no midwife. There was no St. Francis down the road. There was no, there was no ER. It was him. The two of them counting on one another. But they had a promise from the Lord that God would come and give them all they needed. Now turn with me to Luke chapter two, because we're about to read a most unlikely message coming to a most unlikely group of people, a group of shepherds. We were just there, uh, Daniel was with me when we were in Israel back in June and we went to the Shepherd's Hills. It's, there's, a, there's a church actually built on the historical place where this event happened. 
where the angels appeared to a group of shepherds out in the field. Since then, they built a beautiful little church. It's in a cave. You go down into this little cave, and that's where the shepherds were probably living. They would sleep there, take care of their sheep at night, sleep there during the day because it was a cool spot. So we were there just a few months ago. Listen to this story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Homeless guys, basically, taking care of somebody else's sheep. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And I love this as Captain Obvious. And they were terrified. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a camping trip where you're in the middle of nowhere, where it's so dark you cannot see your hand in front of your face. That's what they were that night. They were out in a field, minding, and listen, they were trying to be quiet because they don't want to scare the sheep. They're trying to be not, they're trying to get rid of their nerves, they're trying to calm the sheep down. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appears to them and they were terrified. Let me just tell you why this is uh, such a remarkable story. Shepherds were considered the lowest of the low in the workforce. It was the worst possible job you could have. Normally you were not, you didn't own the sheep. You were taking care of someone else's property away from your home, no showers, no food, no clean beds, in an open field with a bunch of dirty animals. Anybody else wanna make 17 bucks an hour doing that? No way. So these shepherds were the most unlikely group of people for God to come to. It wasn't a king, it wasn't a governor, it wasn't a prince, it wasn't a wealthy person that the angels came to. They came to the marginalized, the forgotten, the cast-offs. And the angel said to them, Here's the first words out of his mouth. New Life Church, this is a prophetic word to you today. If there was ever a moment in our history and in the time of our country and the time in the world we live in, this is a prophetic word. The very first thing the angel says to the shepherds is very important. Do not be afraid. New Life Church, I've come today to inject you with the courage of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying today that your heart would come open, that your mind would leave open the possibility that the condition of the world in which you live does not have the final say over the condition of your heart. Let me say that again. The condition of the world in which you live does not have final say over the condition of your heart. We live in a different reality. We belong to a different kingdom. We worship and follow a different kind of king. The conditions of this world do not have final say over me. It doesn't have final say over my peace. It doesn't have final say over my sleep at night. Listen, the last three or four years have been tumultuous for me. But I can tell you with absolute certainty, and I was thinking about this this morning on my drive in, I'm, one of the things I'm most grateful for in these last three or four years is there has not been one moment where I have lost the peace of the Lord. I have been troubled. I have been aggravated, I have been upset, I have been mad, and sometimes I was even angry. But in those moments, I never once lost the comforting presence of the Lord, the peace of God that passes all understanding. The umpire and the guardian of my soul is the peace of the Lord. This is what Christmas reminds us of, that even in a dark world, peace can come. 
He says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, why in the world would he tell the shepherds first? Because Jesus has always worked from the outside in. He's always gone to the margins first and then come to the people of power. He didn't start with the people of power and then work himself out into the neighborhood. No, he started on the fringes of the neighborhood and he works himself back into the places of power. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. It always comes to the most unlikely group of people. It says today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. Do you understand what they just said? That's a direct confrontation to Caesar. Christ is Lord, not Caesar, not the government in Rome. For the angel to say that, that's revolutionary. That's radical language for an angel to use. Reminding the most marginalized that the oppressive government that you think is ruling over your life, I have good news for you today, a different government is coming. A different ruler is about to take control of your world. And his name is Jesus. And right at this moment, his mother is cleaning him up in a manger, getting him ready to go to bed tonight. But he is a baby, but he is king. He is God. He is Lord. And he has come to rule. That's the good news that the angel brought. He said, you're going to find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And I love this part. Not just one angel. If that were not enough. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host. Can you imagine how terrifying this is? And listen, this is not a metaphor. This is a real life thing that happened to real life people. So one angel, if that were not enough, suddenly a great company appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men, listen to this, on whom his favor rests. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Who are those people? Who is he talking about? The angel just made a clear distinction about who has peace and who does not. He says, listen, the peace of the Lord is not going to come to every human person. The peace of the Lord is going to come to those on whom his favor rests. Well, then who are those people? Let me give you an answer. As followers of Christ, when you surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus, you can have the same peace even during troubling times. And by the way, those are the people on whom his favor rests. Those who have stopped and paused and surrendered and confessed that they need a savior. And I'm not it. All of us in this room have got to come to a place in our lives where we confess out loud that you need, I need a savior. I have said this over and over to myself. I said, Pat, you know, I said, Lord, I need a savior. I've tried to be God. I've tried to save myself and I, I fall desperately short. I'm not enough. It's not my strength that's going to sustain me, not by power, not by might, but by his power, by his strength, says the Lord. It is his spirit. It is his strength that's bubbling up inside of us. Those are the people on whom his favor rests, by the way. He's not, he's, not, he's not separating us. What he's doing is he's inviting all of us. All of you in this room and all of you watching online can be that people on whom his favor rests. That phrase, his favor rests on us. And this, let me remind you of something 
Peace is the one thing the enemy cannot counterfeit. Peace, I'm talking about deep, internal, mental, spiritual peace that radiates out of your soul. Peace is the one thing that the enemy cannot counterfeit. He has a counterfeit for happiness. There's a lot of people that say they're happy, but it's not, it's not peace. They, they, are, they laugh and joke, but inside their heart is dark and cold and it's not full of peace. He has a counterfeit for love. People are calling things love that are not love. Love is sacrificial. Love is covenantal. Love is an agreement that you are going to be with someone for the rest of their lives. And we've cheapened the word down to just affection. I like you, which means I love you. That's, that's a cheap imitation of love. Marriage is a symbol of love. Children are a place of love because it re- involves commitment and sacrifice. But the enemy has no counterfeit for peace. Their peace is not, by the way, the absence of conflict. It's a resolve of conflict without violence. Listen, you see this what's happening in the world right now, okay? This is why this message this morning is coming out of me so strongly. As your pastor, I'm watching right now people who are calling themselves Christ followers trying to resolve conflict with violence. Someone asked me the other day, Pastor Brady, are you concerned about Christ being taken out of Christmas? I went, no, I'm concerned about Christ being taken out of Christians. Listen, New Life Church, we have a mandate. We have, we're following the Prince of Peace. Does it mean that we cannot protest? Yes, you can protest. Yes, you can be upset, but we bring a power into that protest that the world doesn't have. We have come to resolve conflict in a new kind of way. We have come to bring clarity and truth in a new kind of way. Christ came to the earth and got involved in the mess that we had created. We're the ones that made a mess of this. But I have good news for you. If your life is a mess right now, I have really good news. Jesus came to get involved in your mess. This morning I was praying up really early and the Lord said, I'm standing at the door of every human heart that's listening to you this morning. And actually he was standing there long before this message arrived to you today. I've just come to remind you that he's consistently persistently, constantly pursuing you. I, have, I just felt this morning that some of you need to hear this. God has not given up on you. God is not wringing his hands and shoving you off into the distance. Actually, like a, a hen, he's trying to gather you under his wings this morning. I, I cannot guarantee you that the world's gonna get any better after this message. I can't guarantee you that you're not gonna walk out of this door into a dark place. I cannot guarantee you that our nation will ever be better than it is right now. I cannot guarantee it. And I would be foolhardy to tell you that I can guarantee it. What I can guarantee you though, is that you're in the palm of his hand and no power of hell and no scheme of man is ever going to take you from the palm of his hand. What I'm here today to tell you is that you could live in a stormy world with a heart that is saturated with real peace, not a counterfeit peace, not a counterfeit happiness, I've come today to remind you that the Prince of Peace loves you sincerely and dearly, and the Prince of Peace wants to be near to you starting right now. He came to bring us real peace. 
And I need it today. I don't know about you, but I need to preach this to myself. I'm going to do it again at 11 because I need to preach it to myself one more time. The world does not determine the condition of my heart. The world does not determine the peace in my home. The world does not determine the peace in this church. We are a people that have been separated and set apart. We have been filled with the spirit and given his word. We are a people of great peace. I don't normally read the Book of Common Prayer. I'm just not that guy. I'd rather watch Sports Center. <laughs> but for, for whatever reason this week, in a moment of spiritual clarity, I found myself in the 16th or 17th century Book of Common Prayer. It's not a, it's not a text that I linger in, it was, but I found myself there this week. And there was this one particular prayer that people were told to pray every single morning. So for a, an entire calendar year, Every morning, this was one of the prayers that the Church of England taught their people to pray, and I found it to be powerful to me this week. It says, O Lord, save thy people and give peace in our time. That was 17, that was what, 500 years ago they prayed this prayer? I believe in 2022, it's a prayer we need to pray right now. And I'm not talking about just charmy little smarmy peace. I'm talking about peace that breaks out. Peace that settles first in your soul and then spills out of you wherever you go. Are you listening to me, New Life Church? In just a moment, we're gonna receive the Lord's table and I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing over you. I'm gonna send you out. Why am I sending you out? I'm sending you out to be carriers of this peace and I'm, I want you to be so full of it, so full of the peace of the Lord that wherever you go, whoever you bump into, that when they bump into you, what spills out of you is peace. And that we leave that peace wherever we go. Every grocery store, every restaurant, every classroom, every place that we end up this week, I pray that we would be so full of peace that where we go, th things would settle. Listen, when you walk into a room this week, everything should settle down. When you walk into your home this week, things should settle down. When you walk into your work where people are aggravated and agitated, your presence, you there, you being present there brings a sense of resolve, a sense of peace to wherever you're going. This is what I'm talking about today. Listen, you know how powerful it would be if several thousand of us, I don't know how many people are gonna to come to New Life Church this weekend, but watching online, the people in the room, about 20,000 people a weekend listen to these messages. Locally, those are local people. Can you imagine if 20,000 ambassadors full of the peace of the Lord, radiating the goodness of God, went out into that dark world. I believe the darkness would not have a chance because the light would be shining so brightly in God's people. If you're ready for that, will you say amen? Let's stand up together, stand with me. I know I got through a little early, but I wanna take some time. I just felt today I wanna to respond. And I asked Pastor John to sing this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. God among us. The word Emmanuel means God making his living, his habitation among his people. God with us. God among us. So my question to you today is this. Do you have the peace of Christmas in your life right now? And there's three types of peace. There's peace with yourself. There's peace with other people. But the most important is peace with God. 
Listen, some of you have been wrestling and running from God and today you need to say yes to Jesus. So before we sing this song, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ, to come back to him. He's going to pursue you until your last breath. He's not going to give up on you. I wanna give you an opportunity to stop and to allow him to take over your life. That's all salvation is. Salvation is surrender. Salvation says, I surrender, I give up, I can't save myself. So I'm gonna pray a prayer with you this morning. And I'm asking you, many people watching online, you're gonna pray this prayer. I can hear you in your apartment, in your home right now, praying this very simple prayer with me. So New Life Church, I want you to lead a prayer meeting on your aisle there by praying this out loud with me. And it's a great confession. But some of you are gonna pray it for the very first time today. And some of you are gonna say yes to Jesus for the very first time today. That's my hope. So Father in heaven, pray this with me. Father in heaven, you are the Prince of Peace and we need peace. My heart is heavy and dark, but you have come today to break through. I have tried to save myself, but I have failed. I need a savior and I choose Jesus. I ask right now that my life would be fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. I am a sinner, but you have forgiven me and I receive your forgiveness and I receive your salvation in Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank the Lord for people that pray that for the very first time? People say, Pastor Brady, how do you know people are praying that prayer? Because in the last two years, we've baptized 700 people, almost one person per day are coming to the Lord. Listen, all across, I'm hearing this all across the country. The harvest is indeed ripe right now. People are hungry for the Lord. People are hungry to find truth and spiritual truth. And I'm just asking you, don't be afraid to share your faith in this season. People are hungry. People need you to share your faith. And your faith is your story. This is my story. I was lost in the darkness and the Lord rescued me and brought me into his light. And I've never been the same since. That's all, you, that's all I say to people. And it opens up all kinds of conversations. So this morning, can we just worship the Lord together? And this song is an invitation. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You're inviting, what you're doing by singing a song is you're inviting more of God into your life. And in just a moment, Pastor Daniel's gonna come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Let's sing this together.